You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. So I don't know if we've actually complained about it on the show, but we have, uh, we've been using some really terrible folding chairs to sit and record in. And we have talked, we had talked about, uh, chairs would probably be one of the first things we get, uh, if we, you know, if we get enough support, but fortunately. That's our Patreon plug right there. Yeah. Uh, Patreon. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, we had a friend who was helping someone move and they were getting rid of their dining room set because they were moving into like a, uh, kind of retirement community and they were going to take it to Goodwill and uh, Mickey happened to mention that we needed chairs. So we've got some great chairs. They were free. Even better. And so we're, we're thankful for the chairs. I actually recorded an episode of Commentarians the other night um, with, uh, with Naomi uh, from the paddle store and we watched, we watched Serenity. So I was in the, about two hours of viewing time. Plus there was, you know, uh, you know, kind of, you have to, you know, get everything set for what you're going to be doing during the show. So, well, and we, we chatted for about, you know, 20, 30 minutes before actually starting the movie. That's what I say. We get such great guests on the commentarians that when you do a show, you have to talk before and after the show. Yeah. And there was, there was probably a good 15 minutes of, of chatting after because, yeah, she was, she was a delightful guest to talk with. Um, she was also nerdy like I am. So we got, we had a lot of, a lot of stuff to talk about. And, so that was cool. Um, and then, but yeah, I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't feel like my body was going to break down after getting out of it. So we're thankful for the chairs. Um, definitely. And because we would get up and would like take us like five minutes to actually fully stand up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My back would, would be killing, killing me and my, my rear end would hurt, but this, you could these, feel yours. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're thankful for our chairs. <laughs> Absolutely. So we want to let everyone know that um, we're we're recording in more humane conditions now than we once were. <laughs> no one's no one's being injured. So um, anyway, um, I'm sure you wanted to know about all that. You know, I I've actually what I've found has been very interesting is the people who are really into the show kind of like to hear about some of this stuff. Yeah. So if you've been curious about our recording conditions. Uh, they're they're getting better. So, <laughs> and also you might notice we have we have moved. This is our, this is mine slash Emily's collection of books. Um, who knows how many actually came from Emily's? Yeah, I, that's that used to be a big deal. Uh, now since I've downsized, it's like yeah, keep them here, keep them safe. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're a little safer here than they are in the in the camper. So, anyway, but yeah, so we're. <laughs> but that's that. So we're okay. So I guess we should talk some Bible. Yeah, yeah. And the hard part about the way we record sometimes is the fact that it's been weeks. Uh, it's been about what three, two, two, three weeks, something like that since since you were able to get up here because uh, I think we had a uh, someone got sick last weekend, didn't they? Yes. And yes. So, you had a pukey daughter. Yeah. So. But more more fun stuff about us. So anyway, but that means that I've got to remember where did we leave off? And I think we left off with Isaac and Rebecca getting married. 
Yes. And I, I believe that's right. I haven't edited that episode yet. So <laughs> if there's anything uh, between where we stopped last time and where we pick up today and you want to know about it, let us know. We'll hit it up in a, like a Q&A episode or something. We are true professionals. Yes. <laughs> so we're actually picking it up today in uh, Genesis 25, 19. And uh, this is just going to wrap up a few points about Isaac because there really isn't a lot about Isaac after we leave the binding and the um, marriage to Rebecca, there's one more account after that. Mm-hmm. And, but then his story kind of becomes tied up in Jacob and Esau's story right? for, for a little bit. But Isaac is kind of passive. He, he really, not a lot happens because he made it happen. Right. Well, and, and he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't get into a whole lot of trouble as much as, I mean, he does a little bit, but you know, he, he, only has one wife. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's the only patriarch who only has one wife. Yeah, he he starts to head off to Egypt, but then he doesn't. Um, yeah, I think he's working the land that God had promised to give them. Yeah, and and so you know it's kind of like a, I love the New Testament where uh, there's the Bereans, and all you hear about them is an Acts that they they were more righteous than the Jews in 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 Thessalonica, Thessalonica because they studied the scriptures and. So when you look at Thessalonians, first and second Thessalonians, those are pretty short books. And so it's like the the better you do, it's the the less people have to hear about you. Pretty much, because Isaac is the only one he really doesn't make. He makes one mistake. And we aren't I'm just gonna go ahead and throw that out here because I don't think we're gonna spend much time on when he passes Rebecca off as his uh, as his sister. Right. And so, you know, kind of a little repeat of dad and his tactics there. But that's really the only major mess up that Isaac does. And even then, he, he's not, he doesn't do the same used carsman sales pitch. Used like carsman? Used. Used car salesman? That's it, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Okay. So, <laughs> I was going to say something witty there, but it's still too early. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, so that's, that's, but that is one thing that, you know, like I said, it's it's fairly truncated, but there are, there are some interesting things with with Isaac. So let's, let's well, go ahead and get on to that. It really, the, the only thing I, I wanted to add is Isaac is referenced in Amos, uh, the book of Amos, and verses seven, uh, chapter seven, verses nine and sixteen, and it talks about the shrines of Isaac and the house of Isaac. And this has led scholars to believe that there might be another book out there somewhere that tells more stories about Isaac mm-hmm. and what he did. Uh, we don't have that in scripture, obviously. But that's actually going to play into something we're going to get into sometime this weekend. Uh, if the Bible didn't preserve something, then one of the things we have to accept on faith is we didn't need it. Right. And so we can have interesting little uh, folklore and historical stuff that, that comes out in various stories. But if it's not included directly in the Bible, then it's not essential for faith and practice. Right. Well, and, and even, I mean... We, you could even make the argument that everything in the Bible is not necessarily essential for faith and practice. And that, and that actually causes, I mean, that causes a lot of debate with a lot of people. I mean, we, we sure, we, we want to study the Bible as much as we can and, and, and understand it to the best of our ability. I mean, and that, that ability, of course, varies from person to person. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should, we should always be striving to do our best with that. But at the same time, there's, there's a lot of secondary and, and, and tertiary, I guess, issues and beyond, whatever he goes after tertiary. <laughs> um, I just like that word. But um, 
but there's a lot of things, you know, after, you know, Christ is Lord that is, is debatable. Um, and we can, you know, so that, that it's kind of at, at what point is it necessary? And then again, how do we frame salvation? But that's, we could get into that and go all day. Yeah. That, I don't think I'm prepared for that discussion. Um, I don't think we have notes for that discussion, but we could have it. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> anyway. But but we're talking about Isaac. Isaac, because he's, he's pretty cool. Uh, one of the things that is cool about him, he is the only patriarch that prays for his wife, which coming on the heels of Abraham, who was, you know, his whole battle was trying to get a clue that Sarah was essential to the covenant. Right. And then we're going to talk about Jacob. And Jacob, oh, man, you talk about God being able to redeem anyone. Jacob's it. Okay. And so we'll, we'll talk some of that, but his, Jacob doesn't pray for his wives. So Isaac really stands out as the, the one who got it right. And the one thing we do know about him is that working the land was very important to him. And it was very significant that he actually went back. He redug the whales, whales, wells <laughs> that his father had dug. Uh, he called them by the names that Abraham had called them. And so he was really reclaiming the land, and he was very invested in the land, which is probably one of the reasons why when he sees Rebecca, where is she? She's in the fields. And so he's really, he sees her as an extension of himself. She's in the fields. Where does he work? In the fields. And so there, there's this connection immediately with her character and the placement of where she is with, with his identity as a man. And that's just kind of a little, you know, it's not essential to understanding the story, but I think it adds a little depth in that, that high level of partnership that they had. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry, I didn't have anything to add to that. <laughs> you needed to say something so I could drink my coffee. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but we're going to pick up, it's in Genesis 25, 19, and uh, it begins, once you read it, oh, you're getting a drink now. Yep. So, and I'm dropping my notes. 25.19. 25.19. If you'll read it in the ESV, because I have it in the... Um, I just lost my place. Hold on. <laughs> That's what bookmarks are for. Well, yeah, I remembered I had one after I said that. So <laughs> see if I can... Uh, let's see. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham. Oh, you just want me to say all the names. No. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, actually, that's, but that's it. It actually doesn't go into a long genealogy there. I'm so yeah, no, kidding. that's actually the verse I wanted, because if you notice... This is, uh, we talked about the Toledotes right. in, a, in a former um, episode, and the Toledotes, so that's the generations. It's really, it's kind of intriguing that there is a Toledote of Isaac, there's a Toledote of Jacob, there's not a Toledote of Abraham. Okay. And the, the reason for that is we have a Toledote of Terran. Abraham's father. Okay. And so... Is, is that where they pick up on the idea that Terran was heading to, mm -hmm. um, to Canaan before Abraham? Yes, yes. And that and the fact that by putting it with Terran, we also have the generations that include Rebecca. Okay. And so Rebecca is very much a part of the same lineage. And so the women... It's not just that the women were not Canaanites, because I think that's how we, we've been... It's been presented in the Bible. It's like, don't marry the foreigners. Sure. They are actually a part of this covenant calling. They're part of the family that was set apart. And so by not having 
Atolodote of Abraham, we still preserve that position of Rebecca as part of this covenant community. Okay. And, that makes sense. Well, yeah. And, and the, the, I think we covered it in one of the past episodes. The, the language used of Rebecca is almost identical to the language used of Abraham. Right. Yeah. And the blessing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think we did cover that. So in, Rebecca, she, she, all throughout, we got the blessing, which is almost an exact replica of Abraham's blessing. But then whenever she gets pregnant, well, first of all, she realizes she's not having kids. Right. And she, then, and then Jacob prays for Isaac. Isaac. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I get those, I get them all mixed up. <laughs> this is why we're doing People this. have names. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so Isaac, yeah. And Isaac then prays for her that she would have kids. Right. And God talks to Rebecca. He doesn't talk to Isaac. He talks to Rebecca. And he says in Genesis 25, 20, 23, he says, two nations are in your womb to separate peoples shall issue. Two separate people shall issue from your body. One people shall be mightier than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Right. And so this is a setup because I think everybody who's read their Bible knows what, what comes after this is Jacob and Rebecca manipulating the situation. Right. Now, I do think it's kind of funny, um, you know, when we talk about the, you know, God making a, this announcement, oftentimes uh, when I hear it taught in, in Sunday school and other things, it's made as though it was like God stood on the street corner and made this grand proclamation. And, but, you know, it, it does say that he told Rebecca specifically. And then you pair that with like Mary and mm-hmm. Gabriel how, you know, that was not like some grand, right. you know, standing on the street corner, blow a trumpet and, and all that to, to declare that Jesus was coming. And so I think we kind of missed that parallel that of God speaking one-on-one to the woman involved, mm-hmm. uh, and which I guess that's the person you want to talk to about having kids. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's, it's helpful if, if she knows what's going on. And, you know, I think that's one of the interesting things throughout the Bible is, you know, even in Genesis 3, when when Adam and Eve fall, God has the talk with Eve. And everybody says, oh, well, this is the curse of Eve. And, you know, I just encourage everybody, go back and read that section and look where you find the word curse. Right. Eve is never cursed. And now there's consequences, but there's not a curse. Matter of fact, the word curse is only applied to two things in that passage. And one is the snake. And the other is the ground. Right. Adam and Eve themselves are not cursed. And uh, that's, I think that's an interesting distinction that we often overlook. And Right. And that's, and that's a, that, there's so many theological implications to that of, of you know, there's lots of uh, self-hatred doctrines that have kind of cropped up due to the idea that, that Adam and Eve were cursed. And, oh. you know, just, and, you know, I, I, I'm one, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't. Of course, we can talk about total depravity or not, but, um, you know, people tend to go to the point that, you know, we are, that total depravity would mean that we, there's nothing, no thing at all that's good in us apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing salvific apart from Christ. And even the good things that are in people are bearing out the image of God in general. So it's, to me, it's very frustrating when we get to nothing at all. Uh, being good. So, well, and you know, it, it, that leads me to the question I always ask Are we saying that one man's destructive act is greater than God's creative act? Right. And I'm not going to glorify a man that much to say that we ruined everything 
in one fell swoop. I mean, there was damage. Right. Yeah, there was there's definitely damage and, and 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 consequences. But yeah, like you said to for us to so and what what really is in the act itself quite you know uh quite small. Mm-hmm. And to to be yeah, to be able to say that we ruined the entire universe. We, no, we we, <laughs> we we took things off course. Um and and death definitely uh entered the scene. But at the same time, we mm. we got a God who's who's we, greater and is able to redeem, and we did not outsmart him or outpower him in any way. Right. So, yeah, let, sorry. Let's move on. I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's that's a whole another topic for a whole another day. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> but I, I think most of us know the story. Um, Rebecca does have the kids, and she has Jacob and Esau. Uh, Esau is born first. And uh, Jacob is born grasping his heel. And so the the name Jacob uh, is an interesting name because it actually has a couple of different meanings. I think most of us are taught that, you know, it's surplanter or grasper. Uh, in the folklore tradition, it, it is actually heel. And so that he would grab hold of the heel. And that's going to come in um, to be important later on in the story because we need to be looking when you have something that's kind of weird, that rule number three I have that I stole from Heiser. <laughs> if it's weird, it's important. Uh, that is important that you would name your child heel. I mean, <laughs> that's just a weird name. Yeah. Well, when we come back to that, we'll be sure to point it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Esau, uh, I want to look at him for a little bit because I think sometimes when we study the Bible, what we wind up doing is we look at the heroes, we, we try to glorify them, and then we turn around and ignore the people we don't like. Right. And we've also, we've got this, we've got this mindset that Esau was this horrible, horrible person. Yeah. And the, the thing is, Esau really isn't that bad. I mean, when he shows up in the story, uh, he's been out hunting, um, Actually, let me let's let's just go to the scripture because I want to make sure I get. So yeah, um, uh, when when Jacob was cooking, Esau came in from the field. He was exhausted. Esau said to Jacob, "Let me eat some of that red stew, for I'm exhausted." Um, therefore, his name was called Edom. Which um, do I have a note here for that? Uh, Edom uh, is red for Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um, Hebrew for red, I guess. Um. Jacob said, "Let uh, sell your birthright to me now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? And then Jacob says, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Hey, we had some of that the other day. And, uh, <laughs> and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Okay. And this is totally separate from getting the blessing from, from Isaac. But there's some key words in here, and these key words have um, have caused people to kind of develop some folklore. So this is where we're getting into the weird stuff. This is where we're getting into the weird stuff, and we need to <laughs> put a major caveat on that because... I can just put the disclaimer on here. We are not endorsing what we're about to talk about. We just want to show you some weird stuff. <laughs> some weird stuff that... Even though it's based on ancient folklore uh, and a lot of medieval folklore, it still has impact today. 
there are like whole segments of the internet world that is dedicated to keeping this alive. And it has impacted our theology. Mm -hmm. Even though we don't use the word I'm getting ready to use because in churches, it, it's still that mindset is there. Right. And so the word is vampire. Yeah. Well, even let's, before we get into the vampire stuff, I just want to point out, uh, you know, the, the, there's the descriptions between Jacob and Esau, and, and we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of starting to get there. Mm-hmm. But before we get like way off in the deep end <laughs> of the, the vampire lore and all that stuff, um, is I actually remember in Sunday school uh, going through these, these verses and being told by my Sunday school teachers that, um, you know, Jacob was a, was an example of what a godly person is supposed to be and Esau wasn't. And, you know, men who love Jesus don't, don't spend their Sundays watching football, go hunting. Don't grow a beard. Don't grow beards. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a, and actually that's kind of funny. I had a friend who was in seminary and he came across an old like pastoral manual, like, Mm -hmm. you know, just different expectations from their denomination and it specifically said uh, the pastor is representative of the church and should never be seen in public without being clean shaven. Well, and and so so yeah, that's um, that's actually something I've I've heard taught is that you don't cause fights, you don't you know you don't get violent, you don't get angry. That's and I I've heard that verse used to teach that, which yeah, which. I, I like so I want to throw that out there that that's kind of a misnomer well, or, and or, or misunderstanding I guess. That's why the these ideas they are still impacting. Matter of fact, when I went to seminary, which wasn't that long ago, um, the men were not allowed to have anything more than a mustache. Which yeah, I don't know why you settle on a mustache. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> no, most men. Yeah, it's a very specific type of face that can get away with only a mustache. Two men in this whole world that can get away with only a mustache: Tom Selleck and Sam Elliott. And Tom's kind of questionable. So <laughs> yeah, you know, they, but those those were some serious mustaches. And, yeah. and, and they had they had a strong face to pull it off. And and Sam Elliott has a voice that it doesn't matter. You know, he can do whatever. He, <laughs> so so there's that. Yeah, there, there's my celebrity crush for you right there. Um, <laughs> he, he, just the voice, and but yeah, this 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 has impacted, and I I think that a lot of times we get these teachings, and we kind of have these loose biblical foundations, but we don't have really solid biblical foundations. And until somebody comes along and says, "Wait a minute, where did this really come from? Why are we interpreting <laughs> the scripture this way?" Right, and that's why I. I I love this story, and when I taught Old Testament, a lot of times this usually fell right around October, so it was just a great little, you know, fun lecture to throw in with my students. Yeah. Now, what's what's really fun is uh, just so you know, this the the, the conversation that that we were having today started was because we're you know we're going through Genesis, and when we got done, Emily was was telling me that she she said uh, she didn't think we were going to have much to cover in Jacob and Esau because so many people cover Jacob and Esau. <laughs> but then, then like everything else, whenever she's she says that, if she really starts getting into her research mode, we, we wind up being someplace for a long time. But that's okay; we've got time. There's no limit. So, <laughs> well, it, it it is fun, and because where do you stop the studies? So, um, so I'm just going to give some some of the reasons why um this is such why people might think that Esau was a vampire. 
the first one you actually um, kind of highlighted when you read whenever um, Esau said, give me some of that red stuff. Yeah. And, and give me some of the red soup. Mm-hmm. It's it, the, um, the roots and the, the, the wording there in Hebrew it, it actually is kind of built on the same stem as Dom or, or blood. Okay. So give me some of that blood. And so now we've got this, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, there's Esau's a hunter. Mm-hmm. And in Judaism, you, you, hunting's not favorable. Um, right. Yeah. They're, they're, um, what were we talking about this one day? We're, we're, uh, the Jewish nation, the Hebrews were not known, were one of the few nations in the world that were not, that didn't come specifically from a long line of hunters. Right. Really, the only other hunter that's that's mentioned in the Bible is Nimrod. Right. And he's not favorable at all. Right. And, and especially not since Bugs Bunny. But <laughs> I think we covered that already. So We did. It's too um, early in our series to uh, be recycling material. And so... But the, he was a hunter, and um, even Rabbi Eleazar said that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. The, let, let me go back to the hunting point because my notes are a lot of fun to decipher sometimes. Uh, he would hunt people with his mouth, is what was said. Well, this is one of the, the traditions that grew up. And so this. Where did that come from? You know, I was looking for that because how do you hunt with your mouth? Um, I mean, obviously. We have vampire stories, which would well, help us. Large cats that do that, but well, small cats do that too. But I don't know how a person would. That's very strange. Well, and the thing is, the Hebrew actually, whenever you look at it, uh, it, it, it spe- specifies that it's with a bow and arrow, and so it's not with necessarily your mouth. But th- that right. tradition has grown up, and we don't know why. Uh, Rabbi Eleazar said that Esau was so mad that he wanted to suck out Jacob's blood. <laughs> So the, the, I have never been so mad at a sibling. This is what I wanted to do. No, um, sounds icky. That well, and that's based on actually that is based on scripture because later, whenever Jacob, you know, Jacob's going to go off with Laban, he's going to spend some time there, and when he comes back, this the scripture says that Esau falls on Jacob's neck and kisses him. And now, this is this is how when you read too much into scripture, you can really get led astray. Right. Because that word in Hebrew for kiss, there's two dots that are above <laughs> it. And these two dots were uh, said to be included to indicate that there were two dots indicating bite marks on Jacob's neck. Hmm. And they really played up in, in the Talmud um, and a lot of the, the Second Temple lit, this anger that Jacob and Esau had for each other, even to the point that Rashi uh, in the medieval years says that when Jake, when Esau, I'm you know, sorry, when Jacob is uh, wrestling with the angel or wrestling with God, mm-hmm. now in Judaism, you can't have him wrestling with God. That's just a no-no. Sure. And wrestling with an angel is still kind of hmm, questionable. But the Nephilim aren't. Well, I know. Well, it depends. <laughs> what, which time period are we talking about? If we're talking before or after Jesus? Uh, yeah. And so this wrestling with the angel and, is Rashi believes that this was Esau's guardian angel who was trying to prohibit Jacob from coming back in. Oh, man. And there's a whole tangent we could go on about <laughs> the guardian angel thing. Do you have anything on that? No, I don't. I, we'll have to. I stuck with this. <laughs> we'll, let's, let's, uh, let's hit that up. Actually, I think Heiser covers that. So we may just link to his episode well, where he covers been, that with Peter. Yeah. Yeah. You've been, and you've been reading the new Heiser angel book. 
And yeah, I just started it uh, not too long ago. About what is it? I think about twenty pages in. It's it's really good. It starts out with a, a lot of heavy linguistic work. Um, it's Heiser, but, of course. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to start out with that, but but it's it's not so deep into it that it's unreadable to someone who doesn't read Greek or Hebrew. Um, it's it's actually it's 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 pretty entertaining so far. You might need to check my bag before I leave. So, <laughs> but okay, carrying on. So, but the reason why Rashi says that this is Esau's angel is that he had to disappear. Remember, the God or the angel, however you want to phrase it, says you got to release me by daylight. So, what has to be released before daylight? A vampire. A, a vampire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. And it keeps getting better. Oh, yeah. Well, and then there's the confusion because if you read through that account, which we will do, but I wanted to put all this together, um, there's some confusion in the language. Is Jacob wrestling with a man? Is he wrestling with God? Is he wrestling with an angel? Right. So if he's dealing with a vampire, that covers all the ground because now you're talking about mortal and immortal in the same being, right? Okay. Yeah. Vampires are hairy. Now, I know Twilight did not teach us this. Yeah, vampires used to not be quite so pretty. They didn't sparkle in the sunlight. And they specifically had hairy palms. And so what did Jacob do to fool Co- Isaac? Covered his hands with, with goat milk. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, oh, man. So you can see how we're starting to get these little... Nathan's brain is hurting. I can see it. <laughs> I just... I. I mean, I can see some of how they get there, but it's like, why would you come to that conclusion in earnest? I mean, did did somebody hear this as like a? I just want to know if did some was somebody making stuff up around a campfire to to bug the children one day, and someone just kept it in the back of their brain and 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 began teaching it when they were an adult. I, it doesn't make sense to me that well someone would go quite this far with it. We we've got to emphasize the the fundamental differences between Jacob and Esau. Why would God love Jacob and hate Esau? And this is the question that it all boils down to. And we can't just have it that Esau was, you know, just a guy hanging out, having a good time. So God hated him. Well, and then again, we're going we to get into the definition of, of hate. Uh, do we? Okay, so. Just go. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't want to cover this because um, there's just so much there. But, you know, it, again, like you said, we, we have to try to rationalize it. Mm-hmm. If, if we can't make sense of it, then then to us, we struggle with that. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's just God's decision. Um, so and we actually had in, uh, in the paddle store, Joe asked about Romans nine, um, where mm-hmm. he was, and I, I need to, should, I forgot to look that up. I should have done that earlier. <laughs> um, but, uh, the, it talks about Romans nine and the potter and the clay and Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated all that stuff. And, and, uh, he put a link to a girl talking about it who had left, um, who had who had left mm-hmm. a fundamentalist Christian group because of their views on that. And basically, you know, there there's a way that you can interpret that that really paints God as an evil person. And and the, if if you're looking at it in the in terms of salvation and God actually hating someone before they're born. That's different. But we have examples. We have Jesus saying, you know, unless you hate your mother and father and brother and even even your own life, you can't, was it, you can't be part of my kingdom? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or is it can't be my disciple? I can't remember which one it was. 
Um, but we have that example of Jesus using this rabbinic understanding of of if you hate something more than if you hate some if you love something intensely more than anything else, then everything else compared to comparatively could be considered as hate, not not an active hate. It's just a linguistic. It's an idiom that they right. they would use to illustrate how much somebody loves something, right? And so, when we look at the Potter and the Clay analogy, um, there's actually, you know, Second Temple literature. That's that's the other thing that Joe asked about, and this kind of this kind of applies. But when we look at the Potter and the Clay analogy used in Romans, when Paul's writing there, he's using this understanding. Of the the verse he cites from is it that Jeremiah? Or yeah, it's in Jeremiah. Jeremiah where uh, can you look that up real quick? Uh, with talking about Israel being uh, clay in the hands of the potter, and that you know the the clay can't say back to the potter, "Why have you made me so?" Well, the problem is when we start reading everything, and I'm going to be getting way off here in a tangent. Mm-hmm. When we read every single thing in the lens of this sends you to hell, this saves you from hell, as opposed to this advance this advances the kingdom, or this helps me love God better, or those types of framework, then we start seeing everything in the framework of God choosing hell or not hell for people. Mm-hmm. So when we look at when we look at the 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 Potter and the Clay analogy. Second, it, it, Marian Brand, I will we'll link to this in the in the show notes. She has an episode where she talks about the writings of Ben Sira, where he references that verse in Jeremiah, and he's talking about the Potter and the Clay. The Clay can't say back to the Potter, "Why have you made me so?" And what Ben Sira is talking about, what Jeremiah would have been talking about, what Second Temple Jews, including Paul, would have understood this to to mean, was <laughs> holiness and. And there's the other problem when we conflate righteousness or being redeemed with being holy. Um, you know, we've put those two ideas so close together in our minds and in the West that, that we can't separate them. Holiness being is, is set apart for God's purposes. Mm-hmm. And so we're not talking necessarily about salvation or condemnation when we talk about the potter and the clay and Jacob and Esau, because again, we villainized Esau to the point where he's evil. But when the, in the verse that Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, we're talking about Esau as the father of the Edomites. Right. And, the, and what they did to Israel later on mm-hmm. and talking about them as a nation. He, that, that Esau have I loved, or Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, that's not in Genesis. God doesn't say that. Never, and, no place. And so that's, that's the thing. God's talking about what what Edom did. But then also, if you talk about one having a place over the other, God's saying, I chose Jacob to bring forth my kingdom. He's not talking about the salvation or not of Esau anywhere in this. And later on, you even see Esau and Jacob embrace each other. They get together. They... <laughs> Right, and Esau does the right thing. Later on, you're talking about how Esau leaves whenever Jacob comes back to take his birthright. Mm-hmm. He honors his words, and so you know it's not a matter of you know we we we've got to get over this evangelistic uh, 
and I say evangelistic as in like the big tent revival evangelism type of mentality with the traveling preacher and and you know, don't get me wrong, people I know have entered the kingdom through an altar call, but we've we've overplayed I think the idea of salvation or not salvation in um in in everything we look at and we've 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 taken all the nuance out of scripture and we've taken holiness and righteousness and we've made them identical right and so you know you and you can you can be righteous and not be holy you can be a perfectly and I love Miriam Brand talks about you know we have we have holidays we, in the Jewish calendar there's holidays there's there's Yom Kippur and then there's Thursday Passover yeah <laughs> you know um you can be a perfectly fine sunny beautiful Thursday and you're not Yom Kippur and and it doesn't matter why you're or what you do, that day is not going to be that day on the calendar. But it's still but useful. But it's still a good day. And yeah, it's still necessary and it shouldn't be neglected. And so, and I, th- I think that's what people, whenever we hear that verse, we, we fail to understand so often when we look in the Bible, when God talks about Jacob, he is talking about the nation of Israel. Right. It has very little to do with Jacob as a person. And so the same applies across the board with Esau. And I mm-hmm. love uh, Light and Flowers, one of the things that he says, you know, there's a difference between a call to service and being called for salvation. Right. And so Jacob was called to service, and we're going to talk some about why, why he is called to service, um, because there is a difference. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the difference has been made too big. It, right. It's, it's been, um, you know, it, it was used kind of to reinforce that the children of Jacob were they were holy, that they were elect. And uh, Heiser even points out in some of his stuff that the whole nation of Israel was not saved, even right. though the whole nation of Israel was, was elect. elect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a good distinction to make. And, and that's actually, um, and to go, to go back to Paul just real quick, uh, I just kind of wrap this up. Sorry. The, um, you know, so when, when Paul's addressing this idea that, that, that the lump of clay is complaining, it's, it's because Israel has abandoned following, looking rightly to Christ as the Messiah. And so God's saying, okay, you're not going to become a holy vessel like I was molding you to become, but I'm going to take a little remnant, a little piece of this clay, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make the holy vessel that's going to carry forth my word, my church. So that's that's what we're looking at there. Again, not looking at salvation. I mean, because... Because I love, uh, you know, people, and people, of course, want to get into to, to, uh, Cyrus. Uh, right. And, and, and you know, he, he's a foreign king. Mm-hmm. And God's saying, I'm going to use Cyrus to deliver my people. Calls him the Messiah. Yeah. And, but he never says whether, that there's nothing there to indicate whether or not he's saved from hell. Um, whether he becomes a practicing Jew. Whether or not he's a righteous person. He just says, I'm going to use him. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've got to to separate those things in our mind. And, and like you said, the, the election, um, versus, uh, versus salvation, it, we can be elected to hear the word of God. We can be elected to, for a specific purpose. And even, um, it's in every man's Talmud. I need to look that up too. There's a, the rabbis have a saying, all knowledge, uh, knowledge of all things is in heaven. Uh, I can't remember. Knowledge of all things is in heaven, except whether or not a man will fear heaven. And it's, um, it's very, yeah, I need to look up which rabbi that was, but it's saying that bef- before we're born, God does choose certain things. Like he chooses 
some people to be rich, some to be poor. So, and But he does not choose whether or not we will be righteous. And so that's very interesting to me that that's, that's, an, that's a very ancient Jewish mindset. Now, again, we're not the ones saving. Um, <laughs> Jesus right. is the only one who saves. Um, but, you know, he gets to decide whether or not we're saved. And it's not based on our actions. It's about whether or not we're devoted to him. And so that's, and we can even go deeper into that if we want to, you know, about whether or not. made a whole um, lot of people mad. I know. It's like, <laughs> I, I, I love, I love this discussion and I know it's, uh, there's, we basically have just alienated a, a large, uh, group of people. Group of people. <laughs> But, you know, and that's the thing. We, we've studied this backwards and forwards. But I'd rather um, have friends that are right. I'm sorry. <laughs> you aren't I'm supposed kidding. to say I'm things like. Say. Yeah, but we, no, it's we can true. disagree on that and we can have the conversation. We still love them. And again, that's okay. So we're back to, do we actually need the whole Bible for salvation? And I would say no. We don't actually. If you, if you have the gospel and... You believe in Christ. One of the Gospels. One of the Gospels. <laughs> you believe in Christ, and you never get your hands on the rest of the Bible to know any better. I think God's going to honor that. Um, I, so, yeah. you well, know. then we're into the C.S. Lewis oh, my discussion. Goodness. Yeah. So, and that can go even farther and farther. Uh, we're not going to have the rest of this conversation on the air, because I think you have more notes. Sorry, I, 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 I do. I kind of I, took I, off there. Yeah, I actually do. But no, it, it's a good. It, it's a good. Um, it ties in because by by emphasizing how evil Esau was, then this did set Jacob up to be more of a, a hero of faith and less of the scoundrel that he truly was. Right. And I mean, he, he was. I, I'm sorry. Uh, but this also comes back into uh, going back to the vampire stuff. In Genesis 36, 12, Esau has a grandson named Amalek. Mm-hmm. And now we know in Exodus 17, 17.8, that the Amalekites are the first people that attack Israel after the Exodus. So here we have Esau attacking Jacob. Mm-hmm. Now in Numbers 24, Balaam prophesies that there's always going to be animosity between Esau and Jacob. But again, he's talking about the nations. First Samuel 15, Saul fights the Amalekites, and this is when he spares King Agog. And... Well, I mean, yeah, because if, if you if you take that to mean literally Jacob and Esau, you'd either have to one to say, you know, if 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 the prophecy is literally true, either one, they're still alive or two, there's some kind of cosmic battle that's going on after we die. Right. Well, and, you know, Exodus 17, uh, if even if it's the first mention after this in Exodus 17, they're now 400 years old and they're still duking it out. Sure. So now the thing is, the Amalekites are actually part of the Rephaim and the giants that were brought up from Genesis 6. So now we know that Enoch discusses that the Rephaim and the, the Nephilim were cannibals. So this also plays into that. Right. And Amalek is supposedly meant to mean to lick. Now the problems with this theory, yeah. That's <laughs> such an odd name. I, I, well, but if you're going to lick up the blood, and that's where it comes from, uh, the problem with this theory uh, Esau was not the father of the Malachites. Whenever we have the name of two people that are the same in the Bible, it doesn't automatically mean we're talking about the same person. Right. I think every one of us knows some more than one person named John. Fair. I mean, your kids went to go someplace, and there evidently there's another Emily running around there. So, right. right. I'm not her. 
Um, although I hear she has musical talent, so yeah, good for her. Uh, but anyway, the problems with this theory is in Genesis 14, when Abraham has the battle of the four, the four kings, we have the Amalekites there. So he can't both fight the Amalekites and be the great-great-grandfather of the father of the Amalekites. So that would make sense. Yeah. So um, Esau in the scripture, another problem with this, he's never presented as a bad guy. Just some great things that he does. He feeds his father his favorite food. Yeah, and, and not only does he feed his father the favorite food, he goes out and he hunts for it, he works for it, and... So he's not know, warming up ramen. Yeah, when he goes when he goes out on these hunting trips, they take a long time. And even even you see Isaac being surprised whenever Jacob comes in. He's like, "Why you're here? Well, that t- didn't take long." Exactly. And, and and then Jacob's, you know, of course, well, God found favor with me. You know, he was likely going out probably at least overnight, if not longer, typically. And also, I mean, you see where uh, Esau comes in from the field and he's exhausted. Mm-hmm. He's not. And that's one of those things I think we kind of underplay that because, you know, he says, he says, I'm about to die. Now we say, we often say, I'm um, starving. I'm starving. And I was, who was it? Um, uh, Trevor Noah, actually, uh, I watched his comedy special on, uh, on Netflix recently. I, was I haven't actually, seen this one. It was actually uh, pretty good. Uh, and, but he's, he, you know, he's from, uh, from Africa and, you know, he was talking about just the difference in languages and he said that when he got, uh, when he, when he got to, he, he was talking to his roommate one day and his roommate was like, man, I'm starving. And he's like, oh really? We better hurry. Like <laughs> what, you know, because in, you know, in the country he's from, if you say you're starving, you mean it, that's a big deal. And especially in the culture they're in. And so not only do you have Jacob just kind of being coy with his brother who, who hasn't eaten since breakfast. Um, you have Esau coming in going, I've been out hunting. I haven't caught anything for long enough that I am, uh, that I'm about to starve. Mm-hmm. And so you have Jacob basically, uh, taking advantage, taking advantage of a, of a, of a, someone who's suffering. Well, you know, cause I, in my mind, I go to those times that, you know, we grew up on a farm and getting up at, you know, the crack of dawn to go haul hay and spending all day out there. And, you know, I started when I was eight years old, so the bales were bigger than me. And, you know, and you would come in and it's like the moment you just hit that house. I mean, it's like all the exhaustion, all the hunger, it just hits. Right. And so this is this is real physical labor. And so he's doing this on behalf of his father to make his father happy. And this is going to actually play into some stuff here in a little bit. uh, Another part of the story, because this all overlaps. So, um. He's happy when Jacob returns. He's happy to see his brother. Mm-hmm. He, he's not, uh, you know, Jacob's scared, but Esau isn't. Uh, he offers to guard Jacob's family as they travel back into the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, he leaves Canaan. We, you brought this up. When, when Jacob comes back in, he's like, yeah, and he moves on. And the other thing he does when he realizes that his parents aren't real thrilled about the wives that he's chosen he goes and gets one of Ishmael's daughters and marries her. And yeah, because he realizes, Oh, they want us to marry within the family, which again, this goes back to Isaac and Ishmael's relationship and how we've characterized that. Right. Right. But so I think we need to be very careful when we're looking at the Bible, not to, to overplay our hands. And this is what happens whenever we read too much into the text. And 
this is definitely, I mean, it's caused some problems with theology, but even more than that, this has led into some major racism and bigotry. Right. I read some stuff while I was researching this that even though I'm sitting on my side of the computer, I can feel the guy on the other side typing it, foaming at the mouth. Right. And he, his, um, I'm not even going to put a link to this because it was just so ridiculous and his stuff just, just should not be propagated. If you're really interested, message Emily. She <laughs> might send it to you if you're, if you just want to see what it is, but we're, yeah, we're not going to give him free advertising. Nope. Because he said that basically anyone who's claiming to be Jew- a Jewish today is um, not a descendant of Jacob. They're actually a descendant of Esau and that they were the ones who were responsible for the Bolshevik Re- Revolution, which, you know, that's uh, Anastasia and Rasputin and mm-hmm. all of those people uh, and the major bloodshed and violence that went down with that. They said they're responsible for um, the, the ills of Germany and that Hitler was doing the right thing in order to to stop them right. from taking power. Now, we do not endorse that. Let's uh, no. I know we put the disclaimer up front. But that is something that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's just ridiculous. There's there's no place for that in in biblical theology. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and there's, so, and there's no place for it anywhere else. There shouldn't be a place for it anywhere else. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, and but that that thinking has by by reading so much into the text. Now this person is able to say, "Hey, I'm a good Christian. I'm a good Bible believer." And look at me, how righteous and holy I am. That I'm still fighting the battle that was started back in the beginning of Genesis. Right. Right. And, and so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you can really get out there and, and make some, some interesting, at least, cases for things. But, but at the end of the day, you, you've got to look at, you know, is this even close to, to the heart of what God would want? And if you are actually paying attention to the right parts of the Bible, uh, then, then you would, yeah, you would just completely deny this type of teaching. Yeah. And this is, and the thing is, even... Even if that guy was even halfway right, one of the things we also need to remember is that God told Israel, do not fight Edom. Right. In Deuteronomy, he says, don't do it. He said, they're your brother, they're your kinsman. You need to, um, you need to respect that bond. And it wasn't until Edom um, had attacked them and had continued to indulge in these idolatrous practices that God okayed and commanded for, for Saul to go ahead and, and begin to the conquest to remove them. And David did defeat them later. And after that, man, after David's reign, then it becomes a back and forth battle. And this is where, you know, we start having all of the, the, this King of the North and this King of the South and, you know, the co-regents and everything. And that's where it gets kind of crazy. And, but because Edom became such a, 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 a huge target actually Edom became a byword for Rome in the Talmud. Mm-hmm. And this has also led to this idea that Esau and his descendants were beyond redemption. Right. And I think we need to be very careful. And that I just, one of the reasons why I went there, that vampire ideology, it seems so ridiculous, but is it ridiculous for us to, to claim that Esau was a horrible person to claim that Esau is totally desolate and there's nothing to, you know, to, to save him when God seems to be saying the exact opposite that in the, in the Talmud or not in the Torah, we still have these indications that Esau 
th- there is something good about him. Right. And it's, he's not beyond redemption. And I, I think that's one of the things that we need to, to remember. Um, you know, Esau's us guys in so many ways. I mean, he's, he's just, he's in the moment. Right. And that's really is, that really is the dividing line between Jacob and Esau. Esau is in the moment. I'm starving. I want this now. Jacob mm-hmm. is willing to sacrifice and wait and work for a future because his Jacob's whole story revolves around vision. Esau doesn't have the vision. Jacob does. Right. And that's the difference between the two. And that's why Jacob could be the one to father this nation. Yeah. And then it, I do think it's kind of interesting. You talk about the the vision and and seeing what's right in front of you. It's kind of the can I, you can almost say this kind of archetypical archetypal story of uh of kind of transitioning away from you know, humanity, kind of transitioning away from a hunter gatherer uh, mm-hmm. type of population into agrarian, and and being able to to look at you know look at the the position of the stars and go oh well this we see this constellation. It's what time is, to plant. It's time to plant. We see this when it's time to sow or it's time to reap or we, you know, just different things like that. Um, but that foresight and that transition into being able to, to become a, a people that, that could, you know, because you had the nomadic people, then you had, uh, you know, the, the hunter, then you had, <laughs> and then, then you have, you know, to, to move to an agrarian where you're actually raising, uh, livestock and, uh, crops. Yeah, think of the word crops, you, but you you that takes planning. So, mm-hmm. so go ahead. And that's and that's what Jacob does. He 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 is very much a planner, and we're going to see that. And I think that one of the things that that Jacob really you see in his story is not only is a, is he a planner, that planning side of him is kind of the other side of the coin of him being a schemer, and him being a trickster. And so he really does show what happens when you take a gift out of balance. Right. And so I think that's going to be a fun thing to to discuss. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's cool. Do we have anything else on that? Um, I think when we start moving forward, we're actually, we're going to start getting a little deeper. Uh, what, what, what's our time? doesn't matter. Don't ask me that. <laughs> I'll let you know if we're, if we're coming up on time. Okay. <laughs> so, sure. Um, but no, I, I do like what you, what you did mention was, uh, like, you know, gifts out of balance because there is actually, um, one of the. One of the, the, uh, one of the one of the small groups I went with at church, uh, we we did like a marriage thing, you know, we're just talking about I don't know, it's not really counseling, but just a, you know, marriage help course thing. And uh, one of the things they did talk about was you know whenever we whenever we see somebody uh, doing something that annoys us, a lot of times it's just they're they're using the weak side of their gift. Oh, I like that weak and, side. And uh, and and that. You know, you can you can have someone who is a good planner, but sometimes they get a little neurotic, or <laughs> or you can have someone who is a terrible, you know, who you know who is a little more go with the flow, but then they they don't plan, and so they're always you know late and messing things up, or uh, you know, it's it, and you know, there's a strength to that to to the various sides of it, you know, it and that's that's a poor example. I was trying to think of some other ones, but I I have a quote written down and I wish I could remember who said it. It says in every excess there is sin and every sin there is excess. And I I love that quote because it's back to that thing in um Ecclesiastes that we both love about all things being in balance. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's something that we we miss a lot in Christian circles is the idea of balance. 
and yeah, because everyone wants everyone wants everyone to be uh, extreme, uh, and yeah, and in, in Ecclesiastes it said the, the man who fears God avoids extremes, and mm-hmm. but yeah, there's a uh, yeah, so I, I like that, but there, there's a uh, it, it's kind of that that whole deal of you know you you have you have a, a strong side of things and a weak side of things where if you're if you if you're not exercising your gift correctly then it then it becomes something that's a weakness oh yeah and you, you want to yeah i, so, I have a great example but we won't go there <laughs> but, we, but yeah and and you know of course again again we're getting into psychologizing the text but which i know <laughs> and you know and, and that's a good point actually cuz that's a fun thing to do but we need to be very careful when we do it because we are reading we can be reading too much in and that's the whole reason why we went over Aesop being a vampire is that that reading too much into the text. And we're going to talk some more uh, as we move forward uh, about what happens when we fill in things in the text that aren't there. And sometimes it can be illuminating because it provides some uh, context and some character, kind of some, it gives you some depth. It yeah. allows you to engage that imagination. Uh, but then sometimes if we take it too far, then we wind up coming up with these really weird ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's face it, you know, Esau being a vampire is a weird idea. Yeah. But you can, you know, I think one of the reasons why I bring this up a lot of times uh, is to show students just because someone can quote unquote prove something from the Bible doesn't <laughs> mean it's true. Right. And, right. you know, and I saw your face and as I'm pulling out all these things and you who know better, and I know you know better, right. you're like, I see it. I see it. And I know you weren't accepting it, but you were definitely yeah. seeing it. Well, and that's, and that's, that's part of what we do is we look at, we look at the right way to do things. We look at the wrong way to do things. We, we pick both of them apart and, and we figure out if it's, if it's anything that's going to stand up to, to actual scrutiny. So, but yeah, uh, but I, I, that's probably a good place to end this week, and then we'll we'll kind of well. I mean, we're recording the same day, but I'll I'll get it'll give me a chance to look over some show notes and stuff for next <laughs> week because I don't remember what we're doing yet. It's still early in my mind, <laughs> so it no, is. Want to uh, no with that? Want to say thank you to everyone for tuning in. Uh, we've been having a great time doing this, and we hope you're enjoying listening as well. Um, if you do like what you heard uh, or saw. Uh, uh, hit us up with the subscribe button. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you get your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on all of those. We're also on some other podcatchers that I didn't even I didn't even submit to, but I've got a friend who uses uh, some. That, so wherever you wherever you find podcast, uh, give us a give us a review. Um, share 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 share. Uh, that's that's the the biggest thing. Um, if you do feel inclined, uh, hit us up on Patreon, Raven Creek SC. Um, then, you're gonna find us and commentarians there. Yeah, you. Yeah, uh, yeah. You or you can find uh, the com uh, patreon.com slash the commentarians mm-hmm. um, if you want to support that show. Um, then there is um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Raven Creek SC or RavenCreekSC.com will get you to pretty much every place you can find us, and we will be glad to have you be part of the conversation. And until next time, have a great week, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Oddities Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Raven Creek SC. 
As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.